Girl, Stop Apologizing is out in the world. You guys, I know, I can't believe it any more than you can, but it's true. This book baby of mine is finally here. So if you have a desire in your heart, but you're worried about what other people will think of you for trying to chase after it, this is the book for you. It is the most tangible, and I hope, motivational advice I've ever written down. And it's available today anywhere books are sold. And if you like it when I talk to you just like this, then you're going to love the audio version. Girl, stop apologizing. Go grab it right now. Do it. Welcome to the Rise Podcast. I'm Rachel Hollis, and I've built a multi-million dollar media company with a high school diploma and a Google search bar. Each week, we'll be sharing tangible, direct advice or inspiring interviews with the same intention. These are the tools to change your life. On today's episode of the podcast, I'm super excited because I'm interviewing one of my favorite podcasters. If you do not already know Lewis Howes, I promise you are going to love him. He is one of the OGs in the podcasting space, a New York Times bestselling author. He has a new show on Facebook. He is killing it on every level, and I'm so grateful to call him a friend. You are going to love this interview. Listen in. Hey, Lewis, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. I am so freaking excited to have you on the show and to have listeners get to experience your wisdom and your knowledge and all the things. Uh, So thanks for being here, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, Rachel. We're rising up today. Yeah, we are. We're made for more. We're rising (laughs) up. Uh, You know it. Um, I would love to, on the off chance, someone listening to this lives under a rock and they don't know who you are. Will you tell them? All the things, who you are, how you got here. Give us, mm. give us the spiel. Well, I'd like to say I'm a human being with a big heart <laughs> that, that cares deeply about making an impact and and achieving my dreams. Um, but if you want to know the the actual things that I've done in you know my upbringing, I, I was always into sports, and that's kind of been my main focus my entire life until I got I played professional football, arena football for a year and a half, and got injured. Uh, pretty early on and had a surgery with my wrist and my hip. And it kind of just held me out for about a year and a half. I was sleeping on my sister's couch. I had a full arm cast on for about six months. And I don't know if you've ever had a cast on before on any part of your body, but it is not fun. Yeah, I have not. And <clears throat> it sucks. And surgery, <laughs> surgery sucks. You know, having a cast sucks. It's just, and the most, the thing that sucks the most is losing your identity. Because for me, I was so focused on one thing. Uh, you know, there's a book called The One Thing. And then when you lose the one thing, it's like, what do you do next? Because there was no second thing or backup plan. For me, sports was life. It was everything. And when I got injured, I really went into a darker place of just not knowing what I was going to do the rest of my life, not knowing what my purpose was, not knowing why I should be here. And I don't know if anyone listening can relate to that, but Uh, my dad had actually been through a a pretty bad car accident about a year prior to this to where he was in a coma for three months and actually don't really talk about this much, but he was in a coma for three months on life support in another country in New Zealand um, during my senior year of, of playing college football. 
And he woke up eventually after three months. He's still alive today, but he's never been the same. He's never fully recovered. It's You can have a conversation with him, but for about a year, he wasn't able to talk. So we had to teach him how to talk. He wasn't able to walk. We had to teach him how to walk. We had to teach him how to read and write and do all these things. And so I was in a, a challenging place because I didn't have my, you know, one of my heroes, my dad, my mentor, my friend for many things, emotional support, spiritual support, you know, financial support. And that's where I was living on my sister's couch, kind of just questioning it all. Why is my, why did my, why did this happen to my dad? And how come I can't have a relationship with him like I used to? Why, you know, why did I lose my dream? What's the purpose of my life? And I hadn't finished college yet. I, I left early, so I didn't have a college degree. This is in 2008 during the, the height of kind of like the economic depression, I guess, of 2008. And people weren't hiring those that did have masters and not even have a bachelor's. So that's what kind of got me down the path of figuring out, okay, I have nothing to show for my life right now. I'm in student loan debt. I'm living off three credit cards on my sister's couch as a 24-year-old man. This is pretty low for me. And that's kind of where it started. And what, I mean, I love, I love this story. I've heard you tell it a few times and I love anytime listeners or readers or um, people who are trying to find their own way out of a space can hear someone else's leverage. Because I think a lot of times we've got to get to the bottom and that's the only thing that's going to push us back up towards the top. So if you're in that space, what do you, what was the first step? Like someone's listening to this right now and they're like, man, I feel like I'm you in 2003. Was it, did you read yep. books? Did you talk to friends? What, what did you do? You know, isn't it funny that um, we have to have some type of major thing happen in our life for us to wake up? Like there needs to be a near death situation in your life or a death in the family or a breakup or a divorce or losing a job for us to finally say, oh, something's not working. And it's time for me to start, you know, learning something new and figuring out who I am. I wish we could get out of this when things are going well, but typically it's only when things aren't going well. The first step I took was laid there for about three and a half months and just took pity on myself. Mm -hmm. And that's the first step yeah. is to feel the pain is to, um, question everything is to, and ask yourself the most important questions. I think for me, that's what worked was to sit there and do nothing except for pout and doubt myself, because I think I needed to feel that and realize, okay, after three and a half months of this, I'm sick and tired of feeling sick and tired. Yeah. And I don't want to feel this anymore. As opposed to just saying, everything's going to be okay. Let's just move to the next thing and try something else. Like there's a time and a place for that. But I also think there's a time and a place for just feeling like a piece of crap. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's not the, the most politically correct thing to say right now. But, and I don't suggest three and a half months of it. <laughs> I, I think, I think I went a little too long because I was, uh, I don't know, taking too much pity on myself, but you know what, take a, take a week or two and, and really, figure things out and ask those questions. And it's okay if you don't have it all figured out, you can wash your face soon enough, <laughs> nice, nice. but you've got, but you've got to, I think, take a moment to reflect and, what do you, and not just brush it to the side. What do you think those questions were? Or do you know for sure what they are? For me, it was, why am I alive? Mm. 
Should I stay alive? Wow. What's the purpose of my life? Who do I want to be now? Do I even have, am I even talented enough to do anything else? Because I thought that was my only skill was playing sports. Will anyone actually love me uh, if I can't play sports yeah. anymore? Will people accept me? Um, how am I going to make money mm-hmm. when I've never had a job and I don't have a degree? Um, you know, everything. Literally, I question everything. I, what is God? Yeah. What, what is this place? Is this a dream? Is this real? Uh, and that was the early pursuit of then interviewing people. You know, 10 years ago, this happened. And I was interviewing people for the first four years before I even did a podcast. I started reaching out to mentors because my dad wasn't there to kind of give me that emotional support. So I started reaching out to other male role models that I had in my life uh, from school, from sports coaches, from uh, other people I'd met in, in sports and just started calling them and saying, I'm lost. You know, how did you do it? What I see that you overcame this challenge. Can you tell me how you did that? And literally mentors saved my life, having the right role models at an early uh, time when I needed the most help saved my life, I think, and at least put it in a a better direction. Mm -hmm. So I started reaching out to mentors early on, and I had three kind of key mentors that I was communicating with on a weekly basis who I said to myself, okay, I don't know how to live life outside of sports, so I'm going to create a sport experience and environment for myself in life. I'm going to make life my sport. And what do I need? Every sports team I've been on had, you know, a great coach. And at the start of the season, we call it the preseason, he would gather everyone together in the locker room with the chalkboard and say, what do we want to do as a team this season? We've got three months. What do you guys want to accomplish before the season is up? We would set very specific goals. And again, this is basic stuff, right? But for me, I was like, I need to have a basic goal. Yeah. Goal number one, I need to get off my sister's couch <laughs> and be a grown man who can take care of myself and pay for my own rent. That was my goal for my season of that life, right? And I reached out to these mentors. One was a famous inventor who invented multiple products. He had about 84 products that he had taken to market. Um, Another was a a really talented public speaker. And another one was the former CEO of my university, but also a former uh, Olympic qualifier and just all around smart businessman. And every week I would get on the phone and say, here's my goal. Can you give me a challenge? And every week they would give me a challenge. My public speaking coach I was going to Toastmasters every single week for a year because I couldn't speak in front of five people without trembling mm-hmm. and looking at the ground. Totally. So he said, you need to do whatever it takes every single day and every single week until the fear disapp- disappears. And so I went for a year every single week, filmed my speeches when I was 24 with a cast on my arm and a cut off sleeveless shirt when everyone else was in suits. I looked like the kid from Rookie of the Year <laughs> With his arm in the air, yes, giving a speech oh behind a podium, looking down, reading my notes word for word because I was too—I couldn't remember anything. I felt uh, insignificant. I felt like my stories didn't matter, and I put myself through misery 
every single week until I was I went from looking down, reading word for word, page by page, to having note cards behind the podium, to having note cards in front of the podium, to not having note cards at all, to being able to fully be able to connect with people eye to eye. And it I couldn't do it unless I gave myself a goal, a weekly challenge, and daily actionable steps. And little by little, I would get feedback from my mentors. They would say, great job. Here's what I want you to do next. Here's what I want you to try next. And all I did was structure my life like a sport. And again, in athletics, in football, we would have the the playoffs. The championship game is what we would always want to get to. We'd want to win the playoffs. Well, what do you need to do to reverse engineer that? We have three months. There's 12 weeks. So every single week, here's our mini goal. Here's what we're going to do. And we break it down into every single day. Here's our practice goal. And then every single 10 minutes, here's our position goal. We would have everything scheduled out before I even went into the locker to change my clothes for football. There would be a schedule printed on everyone's locker. 3.30, get dressed. 3.45, on the field. 3.55, it was every five to 10 minute increments down to the water breaks, down to the two minutes of coaches talk, down to the special teams, offense, defense. It wasn't just, okay, you wanna win the championship. Let's put your pads on and get out to the field whenever you can and just throw the ball around and hit some people and we'll figure it out. It was so detailed and mapped out. And that's why for me, my schedule is completely detailed and mapped out. From the moment I wake up to my workout in the morning, to everything I'm doing throughout the day for weeks and months, it is planned ahead of time for the championship of my season. I don't just show up and say, what do I want to do today um, to make my goals happen? I have it mapped out for the next three months, every single day, the actions I'm taking, the steps I'm making in order to get me closer to what I want, whether it's in every area of my life as well, my health, my food, what I'm eating, to who I'm spending my time with, to what I'm doing to improve myself, my skills, to team meetings, to everything. And I, for me, that's what works. I'm not saying that's the only way. I'm saying that's a way that's worked for me because that's what I know. I, first of all, I'm, I wish there was like a, a camera on me because I'm freaking out and smiling so big. I love, I've never heard this story before. And <laughs> I love that you found a way to make personal growth make sense the way it applied to your life and your childhood yeah. in a way that you could grasp it. I feel like that is so important, especially for guys who might be hesitant, yeah. hesitant to, to jump into this space. Now I'm going to out myself. Please don't punch me in the face. You know, I have listened <laughs> to literally hundreds of hours of your podcast, consume all of your <laughs> stuff on social media. I have not read your books. So I'm just going to out myself right now it's and okay. say that millions it's of people good. have everybody, New York <laughs> Times bestsellers. I just haven't read them. Is this the philosophy good. in like, do you talk about the sports analogy as a, a means to personal growth? Is that in the School of Greatness book? Yeah, it's in School of Greatness. Okay. Some of that stuff. Some of that stuff's in School of Greatness. Like a little uh, mass- bit or because yeah. I feel like if this is not a book that you have like fully un- – I'm not even <laughs> kidding. I'm like – I feel I like a, the heavens are shining on you right now. If this is not a book you are working on, <laughs> Lewis, I swear on my life, I'm like this – I've never heard this before. No, it's almost all in School of Greatness. So a lot of that – a lot of those principles I talked about there, plus more, you know, I use all my sports background into how I've achieved. Everyone asked me, how did you 
grow so fast in this space or, you know, in business and how did you create everything and have it come out so quickly? And I've, everything I've done has come from the lessons I've learned in sports. That's awesome. And so I apply the principles and mindset. And, you know, I was going to accessory store back in like, I don't know, 1994, 95, which was like personal development, like the inspirational quotes and posters and stuff like that. I was going there and I was hanging those on my wall in middle school. I went to a private, I went to a private boarding school uh, in St. Louis, Missouri in eighth grade. I moved away from home and lived with a bunch of guys for four years. And my wall was like Michael Jordan with his arms stretched out and with an inspirational, you know, mm-hmm. quote, like, you, you know, like you only miss a hundred percent of the yeah, shots. Yeah, totally, totally. And, and it was like always dreaming of achieving more. You know, I always knew that I was made for more from t- using your line mm-hmm. to, to kind of get out of this darkness that I was facing from a child. You know, my, my child childhood, love my parents and, and siblings are amazing, but it's interesting. There's not many happy moments from childhood that I can really reflect on. And maybe we remember the the pain and the trauma more than the joy. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why. But those things, um, you know, I begged my parents to send me away in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And I don't know many kids that want to go to bo- private yeah. boarding school. I begged them. They said, no way, you're not leaving. You're not leaving us. You're not leaving home. And I was like, get me out of here. Otherwise, I might do something destructive yeah. to myself. Um, so I was yearning for inspiration at an early age, I was yearning to end suffering for myself. And there was only really two ways I was going to do it. One, I was going to end my life or two, I was going to do whatever it took to learn how to get rid of it, um, you know, and stay alive. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm grateful that I, you know, pursued the second path because, you know, suffering is something I think a lot of us face. And if we're not taught how to rid ourselves from the inner demons and inner battles and inner suffering that so many people go through, even the most successful people in the world, you know, we've seen in the last couple of months commit suicide. Mm-hmm. It's like they still haven't figured out how to end that inner suffering and those demons, but it seems like they have it all. Yeah. And now I'm more committed than ever that to showing people that you can achieve great things in your life and do it with inner peace in your heart. Mm. And I think that people don't think you can have both. Mm. They think, well, if you got to be successful, if you want to achieve your goals, or if you want to be made for more, whatever it is, like it's going to be this, it's going to be hard and a hustle and you're going to be living an anxious life. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have balance. And I believe that you can have greatness and inner peace at the same time. You guys, after months of waiting and a year of writing, my new book, Girl, Wash Your Face, is finally out in the world. I want to thank you so much, every single one of you who has bought the book on ebook or a physical copy or on audio. Your support means the world to me. And if you are listening to my podcast and you haven't yet bought the book, you're dead to me. No, I'm totally kidding. 
but I am serious about how important this book is. I keep talking about it because I sincerely believe there are tools in it that can help change your life. So if you have the $16, I want you to go buy it right now because you love your pal Rach. And if you don't, head to the library or borrow it from a friend. But if you care enough to listen here, you're gonna love the wisdom inside of this book. Girl, wash your face. I promise you will not be sorry you did. I think this is this is such an interesting topic. I was chatting with someone about this the other day, that if you have achieved success in a certain way, um, and especially for those of us who come out of trauma and hard childhoods and painful pasts, that I don't know if you ever felt like this, but I think for a long time, I believed that I had to be suffering in order to create, or I had to be suffering in order to be successful because I needed the opposition to push against. Mm-hmm. Is that is that something that resonates with you? It does, and I also just thought like, well, this is who I am, yeah. and there's nothing I can there's nothing I can do to change it. And don't and I would just get defensive if someone was like, dude, what's wrong with you? You know, why are you so angry or or defensive or resentful? And I'm like, screw yeah. you, this is who I am. Like, don't mess with yeah. you know, it's like some DNA or emotional thing that I I couldn't evolve. Mm. And and it wasn't until I was 30, I'm 35 now, when everything changed for me. I had a, you know, I went from football to launching a business, to selling the company, to, um, you know, starting a podcast, to all these other things. And I still wasn't happy. I still hadn't like figured out how to find the inner peace. I was really good at achievement, like anything, any goal I could accomplish. And that's why people were like, man, how are you doing this so fast after being on your, on your couch? And I was just like, I am goal oriented. I can make it happen. I know how to do this because I've done it in sports many times. But I couldn't find, I couldn't figure out how to love myself. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't figure out how to find peace with my achievements or if I failed. And I didn't understand what it was. And until I hit 30, I got in a really bad fight on a basketball court in a in a game that meant nothing. But it's like this outdoor court and and kind of like these guys that come there, they have nothing to lose in their life. They're kind of just there. Like the basketball game is like the biggest moment of their day. <clears throat> and it's just a lot of trash talking. For whatever reason, I took everything personal. Mm. And I was and I felt like I had to always stand up for myself. And I had to always make sure no one ever took advantage of me. No one ever did anything wrong to mm. me. And I got in this bad fight um, where there's blood all over the courts and it's to the point where I didn't got in a fight in, since I was like 15, right? And so for me, this was like a real shakeup. And I remember running back to my place, shaking, trembling the whole time, just thinking, what did I just do? What did I just do? And I got up into my bathroom and, you know, my knuckles are bloody and I'm washing the blood off my my knuckles and I'm looking in the mirror and I don't even recognize myself. I'm like, who the F are you? What are you doing? What is wrong with you? Why are you doing this? And my friend was there and he was like, dude, I don't even want to hang out with you anymore. Like, I don't know what's going on with you, but you've just been getting more and more reactive when someone attacks you or someone says something to you, just let it go. Like it's not even that big a deal. And I didn't know how to let things go. 
And when he was like, you know what? I don't even want to hang out with you. I don't want to play basketball with you. Like until you get some help or do something or just change, like this is not fun. And so that was a huge wake up call for me where I was like, I'm a 30 year old man. I just got in a fight. Even if the guy hit me first, which is what happened, I justified it. I was like, okay, I can hit him back. But it's like, what am I doing getting in a fight on a basketball court at 30 years old when nothing is on the line and I have everything to lose? I had, you know, built all this stuff up, like my reputation. I could go to jail. Like my business could suffer. Like this could, what if I would have actually really hurt the guy in a bad way where something happened to him? Like I would regret it for the rest of my life. And that would always be on my conscience. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was like, you know what? It was one of those moments. It was like a, it was like a near death moment or a breakup or, you know, a big fight that got me into saying, okay, I need to evaluate and question everything again. Kind of like when I was on my sister's couch, I was like, I need to evaluate everything. Why, how did I get to this situation where I became, uh, I guess, successful in certain ways and was able to achieve, but how come I'm just living in this dark place in my heart? Mm -hmm. And why am I so defensive? And so I went to, I started going to everything. You know, people were recommending like personal development classes and workshops and emotional intelligence and taking Myers-Briggs and all these other Enneagrams or whatever they're called. (laughs) I was like, I was talking to therapists and spiritual leaders and I was just like, you know what? I'm going to open myself up to see if I can learn something. Because at that point, I thought I had it all figured out. I was like, I'm successful. Like people ask me the questions. I don't need to, you know learn more about myself. This is who I am. I already know all this stuff, yada, yada. And I started diving in deep and man, was I amazed at what I found out. I went to this, again, I went to a lot of different things, but there was an emotional intelligence workshop that I went to. It was a five day experience that changed everything for me. Uh, It was all about letting go of the past, kind of like group Mm -hmm. therapy, letting go of the past and getting clear on what you want for the future. It's kind of split up um, two and a half days and two and a half days with multiple games, exercises, group activities to kind of recreate and react real life experiences to then where you would reflect on your decisions from the past and behaviors. And about two and a half days in, we were going in deep. I mean, everyone's in tears and crying and vulnerable and opening up and no one knows each other, right? It's these bunch of strangers. And the trainer, the facilitator of this workshop says, okay, we have gone over everything from our past to the, today, the main challenges, the main struggles. Now we're moving into what we want to create for our future. We're, we're going to focus on the future. We're letting go of the past and moving forward. And if you have not yet said anything you need to say or share or let go of something from the past, now is the moment or forever hold your peace. And I remember just kind of sitting there thinking, reflecting on this. I go, man, I went in pretty deep already. I talked about my parents getting divorced, kind of like half the room. I talked about my brother who was in jail for four and a half years when I was eight years old and I didn't have friends during that time. I talked about being in the special needs classes and always having a tutor and having a second grade reading level in eighth grade and getting picked on my entire life. I talked about all these challenges that I was faced and I was like, but what about that one thing that I've never told anyone? And it kind of 
popped up in my mind right there. And I was like, gosh, if I don't talk about this now, I'll probably never talk about it ever. And so just let me just go there to see what happens. And I stood up in front of this room. It's about 40 people. The lights were dim. I didn't even raise my hand. I just walked to the front of the room. I stood in front of everyone, but I couldn't look anyone in the eyes because I was so ashamed of what I was about to say. I was so embarrassed and I was so humiliated about what I was going to say. And I looked down at the carpet the whole time and I walked through moment by moment. I say when I was five years old, I used to go to the babysitters after kindergarten. And one day the babysitters her son was in town, teenage boy. He took me into the bathroom and he sexually abused me. And I walked through the entire story and then sat down. And I remember when I sat down, it was like I couldn't control anything that was coming out of me. I was howling at the moon, like bawling, crying. And thankfully, there was two incredible women on each side of me who were sitting there that were just hugging me and we were crying and and I was so ashamed and so embarrassed that I just ran out of the room. And I literally felt like my life was over. Like sharing this for me was the, the worst thing I could ever talk about. I felt like it made me less of a man. I felt like it made me, um, you know, I just felt so weak, embarrassed. And I felt like no one would love me if they knew this about me. No one would accept me if they knew this about me. And no one would want to hang out with me if they knew this about me. And I ran out of this, this conference room and kind of went outside. And I remember I was just crying. I couldn't stop crying. I had my head up against the wall. And what happened next was one of the most beautiful moments of my life. One by one, the men who were in the room, because it was kind of split from men and women, the men who were in the room came up to me, hugged me from behind, looked me in the eyes, and one by one, they were just like, Ugh. you are my hero. They kept saying, you're my hero. You know, I trust you more than ever now. They just were staring me in the eyes, opening their heart, opening their soul. You know, and some of the men, because one in six men have been sexually abused, some of the men came up to me and said, this happened to me when I was nine. I still oh. haven't told my wife. This happened to me when I was 13. No one knows as well. And I was just blown away of the acceptance, of the love, of the, the trust that these men had for me. And I, I thought they were all going to shame me and push me away, but it was the complete opposite. And it took me a while to tell my, my family, to tell my siblings, my mom. It took me a while to tell my friends. But every time I told someone, it was like I had more and more of my power back. I had more and more of my energy back. And I, for the first time in my life, I had inner peace. And I was able to sleep at night. And no longer was I driven to prove people wrong or to achieve to feel good. I was driven to lift others up and to continue to find the peace within myself. And it was just a powerful experience for me. And over the last five years, everything has shifted in my life since then, because I learned the principle of forgiving myself and accepting myself. And I think that's the thing that we all need the most if we want to take our personal growth or our lives or our health or, you know, marriages or relationships to a different level. We've got to learn how to find the inner peace within us 
And that really starts with accepting ourselves. Thank you so much for sharing that story. I've, I've gotten to hear you tell that before on your podcast and it is, I, I have to assume that, that it never gets easier. Like it still hits you in the gut. And I so appreciate that you have the courage to tell it and keep telling it and standing up for people who don't have a voice and standing up for people who don't have the courage to tell their own story yet. Um, so dang, thank you yeah. so much. Um, you, uh, I, I would love to hear how this manifests in the work that you're doing today, because I feel like there's so many ways that, uh, you're one of my favorite teachers and I feel so lucky that I get to call you a real life friend now. Um, but I would love for listeners to understand just the different ways that you teach and how they can interact with it. Because my personal favorite is the podcast. The books are so popular. Mm-hmm. You have a new Facebook show you're taking over the world, like talk us through the business side of this journey of, I know where your heart's at, but then how do you, how does that manifest? How do you spread that message? When I started out eight, nine, 10 years ago, I wanted to do essentially what is the school of greatness of what I'm doing now, but I didn't have the credibility, the experience or the reach or the audience to be able to talk about what I'm doing and write about what I'm doing and do a you know Facebook show or whatever. And so I had to start with one specific thing. And I think if you're just starting out, it's important to build credibility with one thing first. You know, Rachel's now blown up over the world and has millions of people following every single day. But when Rachel started out, you were focused more, I believe, on one thing. Yes, I was a food blogger. I started out as a food blogger. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You were focused on one thing and you built credibility with one thing first. And... As much as I, I, there's so many people that I talk to who are like, well, I have so many passions and I, I just want to do it all. Or some people are like, I have, don't even know what my passion is. And some people might have a few things. You got to start with the thing that you're excited about the most, or you think you might be curious about the most if you don't know what your passion is. And you got to go all in on one thing and give it a full effort. I'm talking minimum a year to two years full effort to go all in to build momentum because you can't build momentum off something in a couple of months. If you're just starting out, you need to master a skill. That means you need to practice something every single day until you become an expert at it or an expert in that space, whether it's food blogging or um, mommy blogging or parent blogging, whatever it is, you've got to start with something and build credibility. And then that credibility you can leverage to branch off and start something else when you feel ready and when you have the resources, the time, the team to do that. So I went all in on LinkedIn early what? on, which is not I my had no dream. idea. Yeah. What? Yeah, no, I had no idea. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. All I did for the first three years was master LinkedIn and figure out how to get paid from teaching other people, teaching from one-on-one, group coaching, workshops, bigger events, speaking gigs writing books about it, Uh, again, doing webinars. I did a webinar every single week for the first three years, teaching people LinkedIn strategies. And that's all I did for the first few years, teaching LinkedIn and optimizing it. Then I got to a point where I was making a million dollars a year teaching LinkedIn, guys. I was teaching LinkedIn and that's what I was doing. And as I was teaching LinkedIn and got good enough credibility and my audience grew because I was one of the only people talking about it, I just branded myself as like, I'm the LinkedIn guy. I'm the king of LinkedIn. I just kept focusing on one thing 
And then people would say, man, you're really good at this. Can you teach me something else? Can you teach me Twitter or Facebook or whatever it was at the time? And I was like, yeah, I can figure this out. And I was just leveraging one platform for another and another. And then to the point where I was like, you know what? I'm kind of tired of talking about LinkedIn. You know, a few years in, I was like, if I have to tell one more person how to put a bio in their profile and how to write a description, <laughs> I'm going to throw up. But I had, I had built it enough, built enough momentum. Uh, again, a webinar every single week that I was doing for the first few years. I was showing up, hustling. Mm -hmm. I know you did events for a long time. I was doing events every month. I did an event at another city around the country, and I would build an audience one by one. I would message people on LinkedIn, say, hey, join my uh, LinkedIn St. Louis group, my LinkedIn Columbus group, my LinkedIn New York group, my LinkedIn LA group. One by one, I would connect with people. When they would connect with me, I would send them a follow-up message. Hey, join this group in LA that you live in. And there's lots of powerful business professionals there that you can network with and connect with. I think you'll love it. And I was curating groups all over LinkedIn, all over the country. And then I would create a live event within LinkedIn at the time. Yeah. And this is 2009, 2008, 2009. I would create events within LinkedIn, promote them through my groups and all my contacts one-on-one, -on -one, promote them on Twitter, on Facebook, everywhere. And I'd get 500 people to show up to a live event. And originally they were free. Then I was like, huh, I wonder if people would pay to come here. And so I started charging $5 at the door. Then I was like, oh, people still showed up. Maybe I'll charge 10 bucks. I started charging 10, 15, 20 bucks. I was like, okay, I'm making money. Maybe I can have some sponsors. I got a couple sponsors and started building that out. Then I was building relationships with these venues. And I said, hey, what's the worst night of the week for you where no one shows up? And they'd be like Wednesday or Tuesday. And I'd say, okay, I'm going to bring 500 people. I'm going to generate at least $20,000 in sales from the food and bar. Can I get a 15% commission if I do that for you when you normally would have no one? And they were like, absolutely. So I was making money there. Then I wrote a book about LinkedIn and I had one of my mentors who had written books, show me the format, show me the process and give me feedback. And I, again, said, give me a challenge. Tell me how much to write, how many days to write it with, how many weeks, tell me when the deadline is and I'll complete it. And it's all about structure, mentorship, or coaching, and having someone guide the structure and give feedback. I don't do anything without a coach. I'm, I can work out with the best of them by myself. I can run every morning. I can lift every morning. I can give hard workouts in. But yeah, I work a little bit harder when, where there's an expert who I really respect, I've invested money in, and who knows more than me. And yeah. I don't want to let down. I work just a little bit, uh, that little 10% just push burns a little bit more of what I'm trying to do with my, my health goals or my business goals or my finance goals or my relationship. Like I, I do a little more of the uncomfortable that I don't want to do when I have that coach. And that's always the case. And I just don't do anything without a coach anymore. I've tried it for years on my own. And yes, I get results. And yes, everything's good. But we're <laughs> yes. made for more, right, Rachel? We're not we're not made we're not made yes. for yeah. that's pretty good. Like good job. We're made for freaking greatness, not yeah, average. We're not made for uh oh, you did good, like a round of applause, okay, like keep going. No, like set yourself up to win with a structure, with a schedule, with a mentor or coach, or at least accountability partner when you're starting out. If you can't afford a coach, 
get a buddy of yours, another, another mom who you're working with and you guys are committing to waking up at a certain time and running every morning. Get someone you're committed to talking to every week about your relationship and say, did you ask that question with your husband? Did you have that conversation? I know you've been putting it off for three months. Have you asked him about this? Have you talked about this? Like, I was just going to say for, um, for people listening, because I think that years ago I would have heard that and, and you touched on this. I would have thought, you know, I don't have the money for that. And the advice that I, yeah, totally. But I would also say like, I have said for years, I have the world's greatest mentors and they don't know I exist. Yeah, exactly. Podcast books. Tony Robbins. Yes. Dave Ramsey, Oprah Winfrey, like be, it, I, I, it might've even been on your podcast the other day. Um, oh, uh, the doctor, uh, is it Dispenza? Dispenza? Oh man. He's unbelievable. It's amazing. Look right now. Um, but he said, I, I think it was on yours. He said, in an age of this much information, ignorance is a choice. Yes. Like if you do not know everything you want to know exists right now for free at your library or on the internet. Mm -hmm. So stop making an excuse that you can't afford it because there's so much wisdom out there. The other thing I would like to say about the accountability buddy, uh, could you, could you dig into that just a tiny bit? Because some people are going to think, well, I'm just going to ask my, my girl, Megan over here to be my accountability buddy, but Megan's struggling as much as you are. And she's not actually going to hold you accountable. I I would get someone that you respect that you know it works harder than you. Yeah. Accountability buddy, like I work out I on my run days, so I'll I'll have a trainer a few days a week, but I also run at six AM with with a guy who is better than me. Mm-hmm. He can run faster than me. He's fifty pounds lighter than me. He's like a gazelle getting like <laughs> he's a distance runner and distance running is hard for me. I'm a sprinter. I'm built for speed. And I don't go with someone who's worse than me. You know, I go with someone who is better, who's going to push me because his 80% is my hundred when it comes to running five miles. And I know every day I'll be challenged with running with this person. So find someone who will challenge you, who is either, you know, has skill set better than you at something or is more vulnerable or whatever may be the thing you're going after. Someone that'll push you. You don't want to be the one pushing the other person, although you will be, you know, you'll be pushing each other. But again, I know you talk about this is like constantly being, you know, finding yourself with people who are smarter than you, who are better mm-hmm. than you being in those rooms and you're going to outgrow those rooms at one day, mm-hmm. or you either push them to continue to be better than you or you outgrow them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the key is like finding those people to be your coach or accountability partners. And you can evolve coaches and accountability partners all the time. Oh, so good. Um, I want to make sure before we, before we end our time here today, I want to make sure that we chat about your new show Mm. because I think it is so great. This is a Facebook audience, 100%. And I feel like as a way to consume you in audio and get to see the work you're doing, I'd love to hear a, what the intention was for the show. Like what's your, what's your heart's desire there? You know, I'm just, yeah, go ahead. No, no, I just, I just, I want you to talk about it so everyone can understand. You know, understand. I, I feel like we're, we're brother and sister because I'm just made for more. You know? I'm, made, I'm made for more and uh, I appreciate and I'm grateful for what I have and also know I'm made to create much more impact with the potential that I have within me. And for, yeah, I remember having dreams uh, when I was on my sister's couch. I remember dreaming of a few things. One meeting Tony Robbins and connecting with him because 
I saw him speak when actually when I was 16 at a conference and he stood above me at one point. He didn't look at me. It was like 15,000 people there, but he walked up next to me and he stood above me. And I remember nothing of what he actually said, but I remember the way he made me feel was mm-hmm. moved me. It was like, yeah. holy cow. I was like, I want that type of presence. I want that type yeah. of energy where I can move someone just with my standing there. And, you know, with everything happened. So I was like, one day I want to meet Tony and connect with him. One day I was watching Ellen at the time. And I was like, I want to be on Ellen and, and dance with her on stage. <laughs> I, like, I want to dance with Ellen on the Ellen show. And um, third one was like, you know what? Screw it. I want to actually be Ellen. I want to have my own show, my own talk show one day. And I don't know how long that's going to take or what do I need to do to make it happen. But this is me on my sister's couch with no money living in debt at the time. And I'm a type of guy that loves full circle moments. When I have a dream, I want to see it come full circle. I don't care if it takes 30 years, like some dreams have taken for me. I want to see them come full circle because it builds so much more belief. It's like I'm bulletproof with belief and confidence within myself when I see something that my mind has already dreamed of and it has come to reality at some point. It's like, yes, you can. You, Yes, you're good enough. It's just building that confidence and belief that the momentum is so unwavering at that point that I just continue to think that I can do the most audacious things in the world and then they just keep happening. Yes. And so the talk show for me was a dream of mine and, but it took almost two years to come out from the first conversation with the executives at Facebook. I got an introduction at Facebook um, through my partner on the show, Scooter Braun. He's the guy who found Justin Bieber. He manages Kanye West and Ariana Grande and, you know, the biggest artists in the world. And he came on my podcast twice in about a year and a half. After he came on the second time, he reached out to me and said he wanted to launch his own podcast. And if I could help him, I was like, absolutely. He is about to launch his own podcast. The day before, he cancels it. I spent months with my team and him and his team figuring this out and setting it up. He goes, you know what, Lewis? I don't want to do this show. I'd actually rather just partner with you because I believe you're a better interviewer than me. And I believe in your message. And I want to blow you up. And I said, awesome. What can we do? He said, you know, I want to do a TV show with you. Um, I want to introduce you to Ellen. I want to introduce you to whoever you want. Let's get a show. Let's build this. The thing you're doing is so powerful and I want to spread inspiration. Let's do it. And I said, you know what? Actually, I'd love to go on Ellen and let's do it uh, for sure. But I actually don't know if I want to be on TV anymore. I think I want to be online. And I think I want to be on a TV show on the biggest online network in the world. Because for me, it's not about being on TV anymore that, you know, people aren't really watching as much or the Mm -hmm. right audience isn't watching maybe. For me, it's about having distribution to billions of people because my Mm -hmm. vision is reaching 100 million people a week with my message. That's awesome. And I said, let's go right to Facebook. They've got 2 billion people. If they can distribute it and get it in front of a hundred million people a week, then there's the dream. And he said, great. He got on the phone. I mean, this guy knows everyone. So it's one phone call away. He can get in touch with the CEO of anyone. And um, the conversation started and the journey by itself of the show happening is actually kind of a miracle that it's out because there was so much 
back and forth and so much we had to overcome in terms of the negotiating process and decision-making and so many people involved that I'm just amazed that the show is actually out. (laughs) Literally it was, you've done a documentary. You understand how challenging like a big project is just for it to like happen is, uh, you know, an achievement in itself. Um, but I just was so clear on my vision. You know, they wanted, they originally wanted me to do another show to be a host of. And I was so conflicted because I was like, ah, oh, this will get me on Facebook and they can spread it to so many people, but it wasn't my true vision. And so I said, no, I actually took another offer I had from Facebook off the table. And I was like, guys, I can't do it because that's not what I want fully. And then they came back a couple months later and they said, okay, let's do the show that you want. Mm-hmm. So it was a great lesson in like, you know, not settling for anything less than what I wanted, even though there was a lot of money and a big opportunity involved somewhere else. And I think the more we grow and the the bigger we get as our, you know, our relationships grow, as our businesses grow, as our reach grows, that's going to be the next challenge. It's not how do I get to, you know, $1,000 a month or $10,000 a month. It's how do I say no to these incredible opportunities that could come my way? And I'm sure yes. you're getting more and more than ever oh, right now. My gosh. Yes. And it's like, yes, I want to do everything. Yeah. And you know, as well as I do, you can really only do a few things really, really well at a time. Exactly. Yeah. And I get excited because I'm like, well, I'm going to do everything all at once. <laughs> and I'm sure you might have a little bit of that right now and, mm-hmm. and maybe it's working and, but at some point it's like, okay, we really got to hone in like three key things a year yeah. if we want to blow up and then yeah. that are really going to do well. And then there's a few other things that can do medium well. And then a couple other fun things on the side or whatever. But, mm-hmm. and so it's just a lot of work. I mean, I'll tell yeah. you what, when we, when we go for big dreams, you know what it's like doing a documentary. It is a full commitment, full life energy all in. And that's what it's been like for this Facebook show. I mean, just getting a year and a half to get it to, sh- to, get the deal, shoot the show, write the show, produce the show, edit the show to where it came out a couple of weeks ago was so much work. (laughs) Then, oh, it's out. Now I've got to work a hundred times harder to make make sure it's distributed, to make sure people see it, to make sure I'm responding to every comment that is shared on every big celebrity page and that it's getting the distribution so that we can get picked up again, right? It's just like- I love this real quick. This isn't like exactly the point you're making, but I think this is so powerful for people who are chasing down a dream. I used to think if I could just finish a book, if I could just finish one manuscript, that's that's all I need, right? And then I thought, well, okay, I'd finish the manuscript. And it's like, well, if I could just sell this book. And too many times I think people get to what they think is the finish line. And it is the start Start. of the freaking race. Starting point. Like everyone right now is like, how? How is this book still selling? How are you doing? I'm like, I have not stopped talking about this book in six months. Months. I was just walking here Instagram yes. live this morning yes. with product placement Come behind on, you. Man. It's, Come on, it's every, every morning. Yes. And here's the thing. If you are passionate about the product, if you believe in what you have, it doesn't feel weird. People who are worried about selling something, they're like, oh, it feels slimy. I'm like, it only feels slimy when you don't believe in the product. Mm -hmm. Because if you think that you've got something that can help people, then you have to have the courage to tell them it exists. Yeah. 
man, sorry. I, I, but yeah, it, it's crazy. Like you think you're, it's like, man, okay, it's on air. All right, now yeah, get no, to work. That's when it starts. I mean, your level, your level of commitment has been incredible to watch because you've got how many kids? Three kids? Four kids? Four kids, ten, ten, man. Ten kids? We have I don't know. 12 kids. We've got, you got, you got You got four kids, but you're waking yes. up at like 5 a.m. You're 5 doing your run every morning. You're, every day. Then you're doing, you're taking the kids to school. You're getting mm-hmm. them together. Then you go right into a Instagram live. Yeah. Maybe it's Facebook live at the same time, but I know it's we do. Yeah, Instagram we do it live. both at the same time. Yeah. And you're connecting, you're adding value and then you're getting dressed and then you're, then you're starting your day. <laughs> right. Right. right? Yeah. Like you've worked already yeah. three, four hours before you yeah. start. And then you're doing meetings and you're creating and you're writing and you're doing this podcast right now, which we're probably 30 minutes over already. And <laughs> you're, you're constantly building momentum. And the thing is, once we complete the project, that's when actually we actually have to now create the inertia to start momentum. And that takes time and energy every single day doing something. And I don't want to feel like this is overwhelming for people who are just starting out who are listening, because it might sound like, wow, this is really overwhelming and sounds exhausting. But like what you just said, Rachel, when you love something so much and you're committed to service, not just for your own service, but for the service of other people because you care about the product you have and you're bringing joy or you're bringing excitement or something to people, you will continue to work as hard as it takes to fulfill that vision and reach that level of service because it's the greatest reward there is. That's the way I, I feel. Anyways. I love that. The The two things that I think um, would be a, a gift to, to wrap up our time mm-hmm. together today is I feel like it's worth saying, um, I want to, this is such a Lewis House thing to do, but I want to acknowledge you for a second. Um, and I want, I hope it's okay to say that um, there are a handful of people that in the midst of this season, in the last six months of just absolute, um, it's been such a blessing, but it's also been overwhelming for me because I've never experienced the kind of growth that I've had in this season. And Lewis was one of those people. And I just think every, like the handful of people who've reached out and said, Hey, I'll walk alongside you, you and Ed and Brendan, like Mm -hmm. a, it is an answer to prayer and it feels like a gift from God. And I can understand now hearing your story, how big a role mentorship has played for you and maybe why you would turn around and kind of offer a handout to someone who's coming up. So I just, really want to acknowledge you playing that role in my life. Um, But I feel like you gave me two pieces of advice when we got to talk on the phone for the first time that I feel like are really powerful for anybody listening to this at any stage of working on that dream. Um, And the two things that you said that I just like, I felt like it was like divine and I will take (laughs) it and inscribe it on my body um, was the first one is that you said you have to take care of your health. Well, yeah. You were like, so I would, I would love if you would just counsel them on that. Like how important it is to take care of your health while pursuing something. There is nothing else. And that's why if I can give you a practical piece of advice, focus on your health. The first thing in the morning, because the rest of the day, you, if you haven't, if you don't do anything else, at least you've taken care of your health and you've extended your life to the best of your ability. And I think, you know, I, I just keep reflecting back on the moments when I'm injured, the moments where I'm sick, which doesn't happen often, but when I get injured, nothing matters more than getting healthy. And I, I reflect back on Steve Jobs, where he talked about, you know, the last six months, he was like, 
all this money. I would give away the billions of dollars I have to have another year of my life that to extend my life. Yeah. So don't, you know, figure out the ways that your body and that your mind and your heart needs healing and needs support. And even if you work out really hard, you've got to work on the heart and you've got to learn how to let go of the suffering or the emotional trauma that's holding you back. Because there's a lot of fit people I know that drop dead at 45 because they haven't figured out how to deal with anxiety and overwhelm of stress in their heart. And I think you owe it to yourself. You owe it to your family. You owe it to your kids. You owe it to humanity to take care of your health first. It's one of the hardest things to do. It's not fun. Trust me, I'd rather eat donuts all day long and, <laughs> out and relax by the pool all day. Um, but it only takes an hour a day. That's it. Seven hours yeah. a week to take care of your health and make a couple of smart decisions on the food you eat throughout the week. That's all you really need to do. If you don't have seven hours a week to extend your life and bring you more energy and joy and, and, and just be healthier – then you really don't have a life. Yeah. And I think that's important. So, so that's, good. Yeah. So then the other thing that you said to me was when you experience success, and I think that this is, this can apply to success of any kind. This is like, you finally got the book sold, you got the Facebook show, or you finally started to see some revenue growth on your direct sales business uh -huh. that you're working in. You said the instinct is going to be to take your foot off the gas pedal yeah, because yeah. you hit the success. And actually what you need to do now more than ever is work harder because the momentum will actually push you so Gosh. much further that, and I was like, I'll Oh give, man, I'll, I'll give you an example of this too. Uh, a powerful example, January this year, um, my friend Jay Shetty had, I think one and a half, maybe 2 million Facebook fans. Right. And he had just kind of like started and he had started a year prior to like a launching his fan page. So he grew about a million and a half to 2 million in about a year, maybe a year and a wow. half. And I was like, and he was getting thrown all these opportunities his way, right? There's book deals and a pot like Gary V was like, we're going to launch a podcast network and I want you to do a podcast now. And he was getting tons of speaking things and all this stuff. And I go, bro, like I get it. And it's all going to be amazing. And it's all going to be there. And yes, you can start on some of these things. Screw the podcast. Screw this. Screw traveling and wasting all your energy right now. 10x down on creating more of the videos that have got you where you are mm -hmm. until you see it tapering out. And this was, what, seven months ago. And he's at 16 million fans on Facebook because he went all more than all in. He hired the team. He invested in video even at another level. He's writing all the scripts. He went so hard on video that it exponentially grew from 2 million to 16 million. He's the number one influencer on Facebook right now. Wow. Some of his videos have over 300 million views on Facebook. Wow. Multiple, a bad video gets 25 million views. And he launched, he eventually launched a product that made him a million dollars online. He, he, you know, he's able to do other stuff now and the opportunities are to keep rolling in, but you've got to go all in on the thing that's got you where you're at before it fizzles out. And then when it starts to taper, then you can, you know, if your books ever die down a little bit, which it doesn't look like it will anytime <laughs> soon, then you can really start to leverage and go all in on something else. But that's at least my 
I love know, it. My thoughts. I love it. And those that wisdom was so helpful for me. And I know it will be so helpful to listeners. Man, I just thank you so much. Thank you so much course, for this Rachel. time. This is, I mean, I knew it was going to be good because I know you, but this is the best interview of all time in space. So oh, I appreciate it. So I feel much. like we just scratched the surface. I so, know, you know, I know. Um, but thank you so much <laughs> for people who want to hang out with you, who want more information. Where are you at online? Is it just at Lewis? Uh, just, Howe? Yeah, at Lewis. Howe. I spent. A, I, I personally spend a lot of time on Instagram. Yeah, you uh, are. Rest, rest of my team is on the other platforms with me, but. Um, if you, yeah, mess me on Instagram, let me know what you enjoyed most about this and we'll connect. We will be back with another episode next week. In the meantime, if you have a moment and you can write a review or subscribe to the podcast, that is life to those of us who work so hard to produce every single episode. For more information, you can check out deuspodcast.com or stalk me on every form of social media. I am Miss Rachel Hollis on every single platform. Thanks to our producer, Allison Cohen, our sound engineer, Jack Noble, and our sound editor, Andrew Weller. Most importantly, I hope you heard something today that inspires you. I'll see you next week. Hey, you guys, if you like the Rise or Rise Together podcast, you're going to love my monthly live coaching series. What did you just say? I'm doing a coaching series. I'm, I'm like your favorite coach but with hair extensions and eyelash extensions and a pension for Beyonce. What kind of coaching are you coaching? Okay, thank you for asking. There's actually two different classes. One is life coaching. Those are for people who want to work on their relationship, their health, their personal, all the personal stuff. And then there's something I'm really excited about, business coaching. I've been an entrepreneur for 15 years. I'm really proud of the company that I've built, and I want to share that wisdom with you. So if you own a small business and you want to dig into how to do social media, how to find new clients, how to grow your revenue base, this is how we're going to do it. I bet they can get more info at thehollisco.com. You sure are right, buddy. You can watch videos about what the coaching series is all about, how you join in, and what is included with your membership.